Luke chapter 1 and verse 26, the birth of Jesus foretold. The birth of Jesus foretold. And it's on page 1026. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. I'm just going to repeat that. You are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How would this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. And the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One will be born, will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she, and she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. And then the angel left her. Father God, we pray that you would just use these words so familiar to us over the years, but still very dear to us. And speak into our hearts this morning, we pray. Amen. Amen. You are to give him the name Jesus. It's very important that he has the name Jesus. Names are very significant in the ancient world, and they are today. In fact, much more so today. People are named for all kinds of reasons today, but not then. Names denoted who you were and who you were to become. But today, I think people just name their children all kinds of things, don't they? Um, There's lots of jokes about names, um, you know, like Annette, who married a Mr. Curtin. Became a net curtain. I knew a real one. I actually knew a real one, which was um, my mum, because we grew up in South London. My mum had a friend um, who went to Shirley Baptist Church and lived in Shirley. And she was called Shirley. And she married a Mr. Shirley. True. So she became Shirley Shirley of Shirley. And it became a bit of a thing, and, um, and we used to say, so my mum used to say, oh, I've just been speaking to Shirley, and we'd say, oh, is that Shirley, Shirley of Shirley? And um, you'd, you'd move, wouldn't you? You would move. Can you just, I was just thinking, can you just imagine, I'll get to the sermon in a minute, can you just imagine um, what it must have been like to apply for something? So, name, Shirley. <laughs> Second name, Shirley. Where do you live? <laughs> Every time. Um, but it was true, bless her. She was Shirley Shirley of Shirley. Um, but names now don't seem to matter. But then names mattered enormously. You just couldn't call somebody anything. And you certainly couldn't call the Son of God anything. He was called Jesus, Savior. Because it revealed who he was. And it revealed what he was going to do for God. You will give him the name Jesus. He will be a saviour to his people, as witnessed by the shepherds. 
and he will be a savior to the world as witnessed by the rest of the world. And in Luke 1.31, you will give him the name Jesus because Savior is his name and Savior is what he will become. And that's a massive thing, isn't it? And I think Mary, and we, we, under, we underestimate the impact because it's quite a, it must have been quite a moment to have the angel standing at the bottom of your bed. And, um, and it's not just an angel, is it? It's the archangel, Gabriel. It's the messenger from heaven. <laughs> and, and I think it's just, you know, it, the way that the scripture sort of portrays it is if it's just, you know, it's just, a, it's just a thing, but actually it's massive. And how does she even comprehend what was going on with that? Who knows? Who knows what was going on in her mind at that time? Absolutely amazing. The meaning of the name is really important. So I've got a question for you. Do you know the meaning of your name? Do you? Right, Jackie, what's the meaning of your name? Jesus. Sorry? It comes from James. It, oh, I see, right. It comes from James, which means cheat. It means, are you sure it means cheat? Have you really looked that up? Yes, Right. Claim that back. <laughs> Claim that back. That is... <laughs> My name's Robert, which means bright flame. <laughs> Anybody else know that name? Yes, Paul. Small. Yes, we want. Small, yes. Short it. Peter. The rock. <laughs> the upon this. Upon this. <laughs> People do rename themselves. The president of Brazil has renamed himself the, the Portuguese word, I can't pronounce it, for Messiah. Um, that's, his, that's his middle name now. Um, he is now called Messiah because he's going to bring Brazil into the golden age of prosperity. Jeremy Corbyn's middle name, by the way, in contrast, is Bernard. Revelation says something quite interesting. It says, actually, that... You already have a name, and it's in heaven. And so you have an earthly name, but that earthly name doesn't really say much about what your heavenly revelation is, or what your heavenly identity is. Your heavenly name will not be revealed to you until, do you know what, you've, do you know what it is? Until you've overcome. When you overcome, your name, your true name in heaven is going to be revealed. And if you're not sure about that, it's Revelation 2 and verse 17. Have a look at it. Revelation chapter 2 and verse 17. Because the Greek is quite interesting here. And the commentators believe that you already have a name. So the name isn't going to be invented after you've overcome. It's just going to be revealed to you. And it's written on white stones, which is an allegory. But the actual name itself, I think, is true. I don't think it's allegory. I think we do have an identity within heaven. And whatever your earthly name is, it doesn't really matter. Because actually, you have a heavenly name that says and reveals something about who you truly are in the realms of heaven. It shows us 
the name Jesus, something about who he is. And to understand that, we need to look at some of his other names. And of course, there's been there's been quite a lot of other names, but one of the classic passages of scriptures, and it is Christmas time, so I need to take you to it, is of course Isaiah chapter 9. Let's have a quick look at some of his other names, because they are in fact titles, but we'll refer to them as names in the same, for the same purposes for this morning. So Isaiah 9 and verses 8 to 9. Isaiah 9 verses 8 to 9. And here, Isaiah, who, by the way, has more prophecies about the Messiah than any other prophet in the Old Testament. Messiah is exercising his authority. So what what the, the prophet is talking about here is he's saying, these are the names that talk of his authority, the authority of Jesus. And they tell you something about his authority, because the name will tell you something about him. So what does it tell us about his authority? Well, it says, for example, he is wonderful counsellor. So under his authority is perfect counsel and wisdom. Under his authority is perfect counsel and perfect wisdom. It says he is mighty God. In other words, all power. All authority in the world, in the universe, has been given to Jesus. He is the eternal Father. He is one with the Father. As he said to Philip, who said to him, just show us the Father. And Jesus said, Philip, do you not know me? When you see me, you have seen the Father. Amazing statement. The eternal Father who is eternally love. The great marker of Jesus' authority is love. And he's the Prince of Peace. Peace is what comes under his reign. Peace is what comes when we sit under his authority. There will be no end to the increase of his government and to his peace and on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and for furthermore. Well, the angel comes and announces to Mary that she is to give the name Jesus to the Son of God. And then the next stage that happens with the name takes place in the dedication of Jesus at the temple eight days after his birth. And it's in Luke 2. We're going to pick it up at 21. Luke 2 and verse 21 This reveals not just who he is, but what he's going to do. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise him, he was named Jesus. Now, something happens here. When Jesus is dedicated to God, the prophetic kicks in. And two of the prophets that are here, Simeon and Anna, we're only going to look at Simeon first of all, start to prophesy over the life of Jesus. He is dedicated, and then they start to prophesy. And in fact, the prophecies happen at the dedication service. So 
Simeon approaches and prophesies over him. He says he doesn't notice, he doesn't do that after the birth. He doesn't do it at the moment they come into the temple. He doesn't do it earlier or later than this moment, but immediately after Jesus is dedicated and named. Now he is revealed. Now the process is going to begin. For the name itself is a prophecy. Simon, you shall be called Peter, for on this rock I will build my church. Jesus is going to be the saviour, first of his people Israel, and then for the rest of the world. And he says three things. Let's have a look at it. Verse 29 to 35. He will bring salvation. He will bring light. But he will also bring a sword that will pierce Mary's heart also. He'll bring salvation. He'll bring light. And of course, he will bring division. Not of his own, but because of the way that men respond to him. Jesus will always bring division. If you hold true to his teachings and to who he is, there will be resistance. We know that that's never ceased, it's never stopped, it's not near. And it was a pain that Mary had to endure that was unique to her. For not only was he the Messiah, but he was her child. And I'm going to leave you with a thought today. There are movements within our society and movements within both major political parties to take more and more power away from the family and introduce that to the professionals and to the institutions. That's been going on, actually, for years. Um, in some countries, it's even more advanced than it is here. And there are lots of things you can't do in certain countries. Um, so if you lived, for example, in France, you can't educate your child at home. It's not allowed. It's not legal. If you lived in Norway, you can't just name your child. It has to be on a state list of recognised state-registered names. But the interesting thing is that Jesus was not ever brought up by an institution. God did not train his son through an institution or through professionals or through experts but through a family. And I think it's good to pray for families because actually family is God's model for human life and preparation for human life. And we need to pray that actually we return to this idea of the sanctity of the family and what the family is all about and how valuable and how essential the family is to all of our lives. He's raised by a family. He will bring light and salvation into this world. And yes, interestingly, within families, there are all kinds of trials and difficulties. But in fact, the Lord works for a family in a way he could never work for a professional organization or institution. Because the family is a God-given institution. We need to pray for our families, pray for our parents, who, like Mary, hearts are pierced by what their children do.
Father God, we thank you at this Christmas time that he was named Jesus, our Saviour. The one who has come to restore us, renew us and give us new life. The one that we so desperately need. And over this time, because Christmas time can be a difficult time as well for families, where family union is stretched, we pray that there is a holding and a recognition and a supporting of families. And we pray for Christian families over this time as well. And we ask, Father God, for the witness of truth in Christian families and we ask for the strengthening of those family units, the protection of them and the holding of them together. In Jesus' name, amen.